Let's pray. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, who is our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. Our Gospel reading, Jesus says to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Fishers of men. This is Jesus' call to all of his followers. This is Jesus' call to you and to me to follow him and then become fishers of men. In other words, cast out the, the net of the gospel, so to speak, because it's through the gospel that God brings people into his kingdom. This is, as Mark says, the gospel of God. It's not man-made gospel. It is the gospel of God. And there are people all around us in desperate need to hear the gospel of God, to be brought into the kingdom of God. This is a letter from a woman named Kim. Kim is a Christian, and she's writing about her friend Candace. This letter was printed in a book by Max Stiles, a book on evangelism by Max Stiles. Printed in this book is this letter from Kim. She says, Dear Mac, I've been praying for Candace for a while now for opportunities to share the gospel. Candace was raised Roman Catholic but doesn't go to church. She's living a homosexual lifestyle with her partner and her partner's four children. But Candace's mom has cancer. The other day she told me about visiting her mom and as she was telling me this, she broke down crying. I've known Candace for 25 years. I've never seen her cry. She goes on, I thought about how to share the gospel in this situation, but in the end, I didn't say anything of eternal value. I merely tried to make her comfortable in my presence and empathize with her so that she would be comfortable crying. But as I reflected later, <laughs> have you ever had that kind of a conversation? I wish I would have said something like this. The pain you feel is normal in, in a broken and sin-sick world. This world is broken, and not like it will be when God reconciles all things back to himself. And she said, I hesitated to say this. I hesitated to say this because, like most people, I was afraid that Candace would assume there's nothing required on her part to be reconciled to God. So, Max Stiles, expert in evangelism, what should I do now? I think a lot of us can empathize with Kim's situation. We see opportunities in people's lives to speak the gospel, to share the hope of Jesus Christ, uh, but we don't cast out the net. We keep it in our back pocket, so to speak, and, and we feel guilty, and we're not sure what to do the next time we come across this person. And I'll give you Max's uh, response towards the end of my sermon. But for now, I, I want us to look at this passage for truths that can help us become fishers of men, some truths that can help us grow in confidence. That's what we need. We, we need confidence. We need boldness and assurance to become the people that God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us to be. And so let's look at this gospel passage here for some basic truths that will help us grow in our confidence in sharing the gospel. The, the first basic truth is simply this, that the kingdom of God has come. 
that the kingdom of God has come in Jesus Christ. And where the kingdom of God is, God rules and God reigns. And this is what Jesus is announcing here. He comes to Galilee preaching the gospel of God and proclaiming the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, all the Old Testament promises about the coming of the kingdom of God, all the Old Testament promises about the day when God is going to be in charge of this world, and that'll be a day of justice and reconciliation and peace. That is coming to pass, Jesus is saying, now in me. It's going to come to pass in a different way than they imagined, but it's happening It's starting in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And our mission flows from this truth that the kingdom of God has broken into the world through Jesus Christ. And that means that as his followers, we can go in confidence. We can know that through Jesus Christ, our God rules and reigns. Our confidence as we go on mission is not in ourselves, not in our abilities, not in our knowledge, Our confidence is in our King, Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And God has a loving claim. Listen, God has a loving claim on everyone we meet. There's a famous saying, Abraham Kuyper, maybe you've heard this saying, said this, there's not a square inch of our existence over which Christ, who is sovereign, cannot say, this is mine. He is king. He is Lord over our world, over our city, over our neighborhoods, over our schools, over our church, over our families. The rule and the reign of God has come through him. Now, we live in a time when there's a clash of kingdoms. Not everybody, of course, recognizes the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, This produces tension. This produces hostility, even persecution. Did you notice at the beginning of this passage that Jesus' mission begins after this rather ominous statement that Mark makes? Now, after John was arrested, he was arrested by who? Herod. And then we know what happened to John. He was beheaded at Herod's command. So already there's this sort of ominous cloud, this, this recognition that other powers don't recognize the power of God or the kingdom of God. There's a, there's a clash here. And yet that did not stop Jesus from pursuing his mission. Indeed, it created an opening for Jesus to pursue his Father's will. God rules, God reigns, and God showed that in a clear and decisive way when he raised Jesus, his Son, from the dead, proclaiming him king. And that's a foreshadowing. You see, we ought to live with the confidence of knowing that our God reigns here and now, and that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the King, that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Because the resurrection of Jesus is the foreshadowing of that ultimate victory. And that's the confidence that we need as we move out on mission, that the Lord Jesus is King. And He has a claim, a loving claim, on every single person we run across. He is at work in their lives. He's either been at work in their life, is at work in their life, or will be at work in their life. And we have a part to play in what God wants to do in the people and in the work that he's given us to do. The people we come across and the work that he's given us to do. So that gives us 
confidence. And then we can have confidence when we understand the clear message. If we don't really know what we're supposed to be aiming at, what we're supposed to be saying, we're going to lack confidence. We're going to falter. But there's a very clear message. The message is the same message of Jesus. The kingdom is here. He is the king. Therefore, here it is. Here's the response. Repent and believe. This is what we want to happen in people's lives. It's very simple. Very profound, life-changing, world-changing, but very simple. There is a king. His name is Jesus. God proved he is king by raising him from the dead. Is he on the throne of your life? If he's not, repent. Turn to him. Acknowledge his lordship. Turn around and embrace. Repentance means that you acknowledge that you've said no to God, that you've lived as though there isn't a king. Maybe you've put yourself on the throne of life and you've been saying no to God, the true king of kings. Repentance means admitting, I've sinned, I've said no to God, but it also means turning around now and embracing God in his kingdom. So that's the clear call that we have for people. Acknowledge there is a Lord, there is a king who loves you, who gave his life for you, Turn to Him, repent, and believe in Him, trust in Him, holy for salvation. He lived a life in your place, a perfect life in your place. He died in your place to take the punishment of sin that we all deserve. And then God raised Him from the dead. So turn and believe in Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to highlight this phrase here, the good news. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe the good news. Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of God, which means good news. You know, the point of news is this, that something actually happened. Good news, real news, objective news, reports real events that happens. I'm not talking about the opinions that people have about news. I'm talking about what news should be or used to be or we want it to be. That is, reporting what actually happened in time and space. And it's significant for us to understand that our proclamation that Jesus is king is based on something that really happened. We're not calling people to believe a myth. We're not calling people to, to, to uh, an understanding of faith that says, this is true for me, but it may not be true for you. We're calling them to turn around, to repent and embrace reality. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is King. Uh, this week there were some news announcements. I was thinking about this as I was constructing uh, the sermon. Uh, news about some things that happened. Uh, you maybe heard this. The President and Prime Minister of Yemen resigned under pressure from uh, rebel factions. Now, if we had been in the capital of Yemen, I suppose that we could have had an opportunity to experience that firsthand. It's news because it happened in time and in space. Maybe you heard this. Coach Bill Belichick of the Patriots in a news conference said he knew nothing about deflated balls in the game against the Indianapolis Colts. This is news because they're real events. And what we're asking people to do when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ is to turn around and embrace reality. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is King. Are you aligned with Him? He wants you to come into His kingdom, a kingdom of justice and beauty and love and goodness. Repent and believe. 
So that's the clear message. That's the clear message that we have. And then uh, there is confidence because we know that we are in this task together. We're not alone. There's confidence in knowing that Jesus is king. There's confidence when we have a clear message. And finally, there's confidence in knowing that we're not in this alone. We're not in this alone. Uh, Jesus said to his earliest followers, look at verse 17, to Simon and Andrew, who are casting their nets into the sea. Jesus says, follow me, and I love this phrase, and I will make you become fishers of men. We're not alone because Jesus is going to teach us as we follow him. He's going to shape us and he's going to mold us into the kind of people who will become fishers of men who can bring people into the kingdom of God. The closer we follow Jesus, the more we'll have his heart. And the more we have his heart, the more we'll look on people with compassion. You can go through the, the Gospel of Mark and just look for those, that word compassion as Jesus looked out on the crowds and ministered to the crowds. It's there throughout the Gospel of Mark. When he was feeding the hungry, it says he had compassion on them. When he was healing people, it says he was moved by compassion. And that's the heart that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, wants us to have for lost people. People who don't know him. And as we follow him, he says, I'm going to make you into that kind of a person. Now, if I'm going to learn how to fish, and I probably need to learn how to fish, I want my son to be a pretty good fisherman, but he's got me as a teacher... <laughs> And we go out there and we, don't, you know, we, we, we get our lures wet and we spend time out there on the water whenever we have an occasion to do that, but we don't catch a whole lot of fish. But I need to go out with somebody who knows how to do it. I need to go out with somebody who's an expert. And Jesus is an expert in bringing people into a right relationship with God, in showing compassion and love. And he says, you stick with me and I'll make you into that kind of a person. And the challenge, as I thought about this this week for my own life, and maybe you share this challenge, is am I following Jesus close enough so that I'm really being shaped and molded by Him into that kind of a person? Where this value of reaching others for the kingdom of God is my value. It's a primary value in my life. You, you sense that urgency in, a, in our epistle reading where Paul says, I want you to live as, as though this world is passing away. There's a sense of urgency here. I want you to place the kingdom of God at the center of your life. And, and, and am I following Jesus close enough where that sense of urgency is part of my life as well? And then as I follow, am I willing to obey when there's an opening? Am I willing to cast the net out? Am I willing to follow up with people? Am I willing to befriend people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? So we're not in, in, in this alone at all. And also, I want you to notice that fishing in Jesus' day was not a solo sport. It was a team effort. These nets that they used, they were working with these nets, the, the Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were working together. And, and that's because these nets were big and and they cast them out together, and to pull in the fish took uh, several people to do this. It was a team effort. And bringing people into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ can be a team effort. It should be. We should think of it as a team effort, as a church-wide effort. We're in this together. And so if you're trying to reach a friend or a neighbor or a loved one, 
enlist a brother or sister in the church in that effort. Tell them, listen, I'm praying for this person. Would you join me in prayer? I, I want to reach my neighbor with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're having a party at your house, invite some of your, your, your church friends to come over, to mingle with the neighbors so they can develop relationships with your, your friends who don't know Jesus Christ. Continue to practice, and I think as a congregation we're good at this, practicing love and radical hospitality to strangers in our midst. A couple months ago we had a party with, uh, at Bill and Sylvia Moore's. We had a church gathering, remember that? We had a kind of a, what was it called, fall party or something like that. And she invited some of her neighbors. She invited a, a neighbor couple over. And that was a great thing to do. And the neighbor couple said to them afterwards, she said, I didn't know church people could be so joyful. <laughs> What's up with these folks? They are so joyful and happy. What's going on? See, that's a witness. That's the light shining, the light of Jesus Christ. And that creates opportunities for sharing. Well, this is why we're joyful. This is why we're so happy. It's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So we're not in this alone. Jesus is saying to us, come along with me and, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And, and he sent his missionaries out two by two. This is a, a team effort. He's our guide, and we're not in it alone. What about that letter that I mentioned at the beginning? What was, uh, what was Max's answer to his friend? Listen to this. I think it contains some good advice in helping us to pursue this call. Remember, Kim is concerned about her friend, Candace. Candace is seeing her mother die of cancer, and she doesn't know the hope of the risen king. Mac writes this, Maybe God is breaking down the barriers against Christ in Candace's heart through your witness. The thing to do now in my mind is to have a follow-up conversation. See, that's where I often kind of fall down as I have these openings and then I don't always follow up with people. But he says, have a follow-up conversation. Take her to coffee and, and say something like, I want to have a spiritual conversation with you. Would that offend you? I think that's pretty good advice, too. Because spirituality, and especially strong convictions about faith today, can be a touchy subject. And it's okay to acknowledge, listen, this is going to get maybe a little uncomfortable, but I'm your friend. Do I have permission to kind of to, to cross this line, being sensitive to the other person? And then uh, he goes on and he says, I, I, I see in my own experience that when you reassure people that you know that this can be touchy, that they're more open to it. And then he says, what I suggest is, is saying something like, the pain you're feeling is normal in a broken and fallen world, but can I tell you how I think about how a loving God works in this broken world? Follow up on the opening that God gave you. And then he says, the goal is to give an honest presentation of the gospel that is full of eternal significance and helps her to know her greatest need. Listen, it's what we talked about. What do we want people to do? Repent and respond in belief in Jesus Christ. Help her to know out of your relationship with her that this is your greatest need. In this situation, you need to turn to God you need to cast your cares upon Him and align yourself with Him. I think that's good advice there. Now, I just wonder if there's a Kim in your life. Is there a Kim in your, or there a Candace, rather, in your life? Is there someone you know who needs to know the hope of the gospel? Is there somebody who's hurting? Is there somebody who's 
questioning. Pray for that person. We're going to have an opportunity, and we have this opportunity in our liturgy every Sunday to pray for those who don't know Christ, and we mention them by name. We're going to give them maybe a little extra space. Bob, I think you're going to be leaving the, leaving the prayer time, or Deb, and just let's just leave a little extra space there for God maybe to drop some names into our minds and hearts. Maybe even now God's doing that. And then to let the Holy Spirit lead us in what maybe some of the next steps might be in reaching out to this person. But I feel like this, friends. God has given us this beautiful facility. We're here now. But let's not get comfortable. Let's not get comfortable in the net. I mean, it's cozy in the net with all the other fish. But let's look around us and see the people who haven't been gathered in yet and get out there and be fishers of men. We have the confidence because Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. He's involved in this world and in people's lives. We have the confidence because we're not doing this alone. We have the confidence because the message is so simple and clear and we need to pray for these things to happen in people's lives. Repent and turn in faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is our call. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's easy for us to talk about these things and to feel confident in this place with these people behind these walls. But uh, we confess and I confess that our confidence easily withers, Lord, when uh, we're confronted with people who need you. We need boldness. We need your Holy Spirit to renew us. We need to trust in your sovereignty, Lord Jesus. So stir up our faith and inspire us once again to reach out in acts of love and kindness and be willing to speak about the hope that is in us through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your mercy and grace that has won us. Thank you, God, for bringing us into your kingdom. Help us now to be ambassadors for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.